Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 84 it rubs us the wrong way giggity be warned this is not nice content necessarily if you're easily offended we will easily offend you all are welcome all are valued but the language is going to get hectic and the topic topics may be inappropriate for people who believe some things are inappropriate if that is you take a hike and Vamoose. you're welcome. Uh, hello uh, and welcome to the 84th episode, the 84th episode of the Revolting Podcast. I didn't think that we would make it past. I mean, if I'm honest, I, didn't, I don't think I thought we'd make it past 15 or 20. I thought 10. I thought 10. Crazy. And it's still fun. And I think it's getting this. It's like we're kind of getting our chops, you know, hit or miss. But for the most part, I think this has turned into a pretty cool experiment. I think what we've established uh, week on week on week is that we love to listen to ourselves talk. (laughs) (laughs) I love to listen to myself talk. You, eh, not so much. Well, I'm the setup, right? I'm just you. you I, I'm the in the in the. Um, I'm t- I'm the tee, and you're the golf ball, right? And at the end, I end up shattered and strewn somewhere in the grass, and there you are sailing through the air. You're uh, the you're this mother's brother with the mustache, and I'm the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> you're Harvey Corman. Hand or teller. Uh, you're you're Harvey Corman. And I'm yeah, uh, Don Tim R- Conway. Rickles? You're Carol Burnett. T- t- <laughs> <laughs> You're Carol Burnett. <laughs> I'm Carol Burnett. I I, I mistook uh, Tim Conway for Don Rickles, but those are two entirely different human beings. And man, Very. Don Rickles is. If we're gonna bring up Don Rickles, we have to say that up until that guy's last breath, he was a consummate professional and probably one of oh. the funniest people. Like that it, has walked the earth. It, it really is has breathed the air. Man, that guy was incredible. I can imagine he roasted the hospice nurse. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that he passed away and the hospice nurse, he or she looked at Rickles family and was like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> he his last breath. He said, uh, does that nose pay rent <laughs> and then that was it um so hey we are uh well what are we what are we do, what are we talking about today robot um we're gonna t- today we're gonna talk about um the things uh, that we wear when we're doing our activities that we wish were better hmm Nothing. You know, doing our activities. I got nothing. Construction paper projects, glued macaroni, all of our activities. Okay. Uh, Well, this is going to be something that will be kind of interesting to delve into. Uh, Right off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, but I'm sure that as we do, we'll uh, we'll come up with an hour's worth of jibber-jabber. Uh, We're going to extract your best stories and ideas. We're going to extract them. Maybe we'll even maybe we'll even make some points or or have some fun in the meantime. Um, Of course, as we do before we get into that, we're going to get into the music picks of the week, which also I need to uh, I always feel like I need to say this. If anybody is interested in a compiled list of music picks. Uh, we have one over in the sidebar on the All Hail the Black Market website. 
uh, and it is almost every music pick. So if there was something that struck your fancy from weeks past, but you can't remember the name of it, you can head over there and do some perusing and maybe, maybe you'll find it. So what do you got? It's a, it's a real resource mm. like Wikipedia. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little bit. So what do you have in, in this week, the 84th week that we've done this? I have discovered a band. Um, they've actually been around. I think they formed in 2003 in Venezuela. Oh boy. Um, I discovered them via the very excellent W uh, no K E X P live music channel on YouTube. So KEXB is a Seattle radio station and they do uh, live sessions with bands. Um, many of them are very, very good. And I, so I picked this one up. It's a band called Zeta Z E T A. And they are uh, not that surprisingly uh, a post rock or post. They're a, a post band, you know, a post genre. Uh, I like all the post-genre music. So I but I would call it noise rock with a with a, a very Latin influence. I'm gonna pick the album Explosion del Cosmos del Alma, which means explosion of the cosmos of the soul. Um and if you like things loud and noisy but with some interesting dynamics, uh, I think you'll like this. Zeta's put out a bunch of music and it's it's sort of like the South American version of Slift to me. Hmm. If that makes any sense. Um, I find a lot of stuff through KEXP. Um, and I feel like, did they do a, a live thing in the KEXP studios? Very much, yes. Uh, I might have come across this quite, quite by accident uh, within the last, you know, when... Uh, when when their session was i don't i just watched it this week and then started listening to their albums um or what they have online uh they i think they live in charlotte now mm. um and they the, it's a group that sort of grows and shrinks and they work with a lot of different people they're very very collaborative and they get a lot of credit uh for sort of establishing the DIY pathway in Venezuelan live music or not Venezuelan South American, because uh, from the early two thousands, they sort of struck out on the road and just started playing punk rock shows uh, wherever they could. And that wasn't a thing <laughs> that wasn't a thing in South America, like kind of do it yourself shows. Um, but they kind of helped establish a network down there. So other bands are, are following the same path with the, which I think is super cool. Interesting. Uh, I believe I have the, I just looked it up and there is, uh, the live performance that they did in the KXP, KEXP studios happened one month ago. And this is, uh, June 27th, 2023 right now. Um, so this <laughs> happened in May of 2023 for archivists who listen, will listen to this somewhere down the road. Um, yeah, but I, I have somewhere they, somewhere they crossed my radar and, uh, it is super interesting and an infusion of uh, uh, numerous musical styles that you maybe wouldn't automatic or initially assume would go well together, but they do. They do it quite efficiently. Yeah, I found it super interesting. At, at its core, it's loud and heavy um, and sort of chaotic, which are my core criteria. And then a bunch of interesting things get layered on top of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Zeta. Zeta? Zeta. Zeta? Zeta. Excellent. Uh, I'm going back to 1994, 1995, uh, with the last record that the Jesus Lizard put out on Touch and Go called Down. Um, I was in a local brewery, if you can imagine such a thing. Breweries I tend to steer clear of because I, the beer makes my stomach hurt. Um, but there's a local brewery called structures here in Bellingham, Washington, and it's owned by some really cool people. And, uh, the old, the original brewery always is playing really good music. 
And they one afternoon, the the woman who was working there was playing the uh, the first side of this record, and I thought to myself, "Man, it's been a minute since I've heard this. This is really good. I'm going to go home and listen to it." And I went through my records, and sure enough, uh, it was for I don't know why, I don't know how this happened, but I never owned. I mean, I did own the record, but I yeah, I got lost or a housemate took it or I loaned it to someone or something, but I no longer had it in my collection. Um, so I picked it up, brought it home, listened to it and loved it and have listened to it consistently. Uh, it was one that was uh, recorded by Bob Weston and Steve Albini again. And um, <clears throat> I don't know if anyone here has seen the Jesus Lizard. I have seen him tons of times. And this record most closely, um, uh, most closely um, provides exactly what the Jesus Lizard sounded like live. Uh, it's it's weird. It's weird. I can't describe it. I can't put my finger on it. But to listen to this record after having not seen them for a number of years, and certainly not seen them in the '90s since the '90s. Uh, it's it's like uh, it's like getting in a, the Wayback Machine, and all of a sudden you're, you know, standing in front of a sweaty David Yao as he rubs your freshly shorn head uh, shortly before you fall on a broken bottle and cut your back up. It was that's what happens. It's a perfect record, and uh, Malcolm Bucknell uh, uh, is the person who did the painting on the cover of the falling falling dog. Uh, Malcolm Bucknell, a brilliant artist in his own right. So, yeah, I've been listening to that. Real groovy. Um, a little bit of a departure from the Jesus Lizard's normal offerings, standard offerings, traditional offerings. Um, but, man, it's just like, it was like listening to the, rep, the, the record for the first time again. It's, it's a That's perfect, pretty nice. It's a perfect record. They were a perfect band. I love them. I think it says a lot about a band when their last record is great because my experience is that the first record is usually great and the second record might be really good and the third record, uh, it's hard to keep it together and if they make a fourth record, it's probably bad. They Everything they did was good. Um, they did, I think after Down, they did, uh, shit, what was it called? Uh it was a live one and then they got signed to Capitol and they released blue and it occurred to me that I was, uh, you know, this was at a stage in my life when I was, um, why well, I am still suspicious of, of corporate music labels. Um, but they, Jesus lizard, I, I felt like they had everything going for them on touch and go. And I loved touch and go and I loved their output. Um, and and the Jesus Lizard always said that they would never sign to a major label. Like that was they were pretty outspoken about that. And then they signed a Capital, so I was like, eh, okay, that train has left the station. So I'm not gonna. And I never listened to it. So now, after all these years, I forget that there's another album of theirs that I never heard. So it's like a brand new, a brand new experience. And from what I can tell now, in my in my uh, aged wisdom, uh, it's you know and hindsight it also was a really fucking good record but i yeah i never really gave it a shake so it's well, something it i can revisit and maybe next week i'll have the la i think it was the last oh show show was the live album that they did somewhere in between maybe just before down and and or after down and before blue or, or maybe after blue i can't remember yeah i'm i'm time blind i don't I know I this, is, this is happening right now. And, yes, and you and I are talking right now, and let's repeat, right now is June 27th, 2023. Yeah, yesterday was yesterday. And tomorrow? Probably tomorrow. I was, I was talking last night with a, a listener and um, kindred spirit uh, named Eric Borling, who lives in Colorado. Um and he was looking for a thing that I had said on this podcast or the other podcast. I don't know. And he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and 
He's like, I couldn't find it anywhere. Do you know where it is? And I was like, I don't know what Steve and I talked about last week. What was every week? Did you remember what the thing was? Like kind of what 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 it, it was? It was a recipe to? for overnight oats. Overnight oats. Overnight oats. <clears throat> I don't even know what that is. So I'll repeat, it is June 27th, 2023, uh, and Steve and I don't know. I mean, I did, I do eat overnight oats, uh, which is where you take some rolled oats and you put them in a jar and you put some yogurt and maple syrup and a little bit of milk in there and you just leave it in the fridge overnight and the oats soak up the thing. And it's pretty tasty, especially if you put in some frozen blueberries. Why do you have such a, I just smelled shit look on your face. That conversation never happened. I've never. Between you and me? Yeah, I've never heard of overnight oats. How many times have you said to me, (laughs) I never said that. You never sent me that. You never told me that. How many times have you said that? (laughs) Once, maybe. I'm not saying that I said it to you or that it happened on this podcast. I'm just saying, but I'm not taking your word for anything. But you, so you, somewhere around the way, you, you publicly described overnight, an overnight oats recipe. And Eric was asking you where that could be found. I did. And even though I'm defending myself, it feels really dumb. But... (laughs) They are pretty tasty and good for you. Okay. If if you're not trying to Lego someone else's ego, you might try them. Uh, uh, I, like, I like the idea. The concept's cool. Uh, you know, so here we go. Now we talked about it. Now it can be put to bed. And n- what the recipe? You just gave the recipe. That's the thing, I, I, right? Yeah. You're going to deny. Next week, I'm going to be like, hey, remember that overnight oats <laughs> recipe? And you're like, fuck you, oats. <laughs> what? <laughs> Never happened. Never happened. Uh, All right. Let's take a word from our sponsor and then we will be right back. Revolting is sponsored by the homies at Shimano North America. They're hoping that you bunch of knuckleheads will check out their sweet new road wheels. Have you seen them? At 105 Ultegra and Durace levels, they have carbon disc wheels you can afford that are as well made as everything they make. One thing I really like about them is they're not rolling billboards. They're, they're low-key. You know, they're aero, they're tubeless ready. They're all those good things, too. Do us and yourself a favor. Give them a look at road.shimano.com. And we're back. And uh, we're so back. Uh, did you already read this? Yeah. Nope. You no. do it. We have some nice, expensive bike stuff, and we have some cheap, functional bike stuff. Seems like no matter how careful, carefully we curate our collection of stuff, we still get pains in our ass, chafing in unfortunate places, numbness and funny red marks and maybe not so funny places. Today we're talking about what we wish was better about bike clothing. Um, nothing. I got nothing. I don't really no? wear. I don't really wear bike clothing. I mean, I wear bibs. I love bibs. I know uh, if I had female parts and it was a little more involved for me to relieve myself trail side uh i think i might have some issues with bib designs but i know there and i we've talked about this before my friend jessica is sponsored by a company that makes women specific clothing and she has some bibs that just like i don't know if it's like a crisscross design and you undo one strap and it allows you to easily pee I kind of feel like that's what the design was. I didn't see it in action, but that's sort of how she described it. Um, but in terms of riding clothing, it's like, you know, bibs. Love bibs. So what, what bibs do you wear that you like? Because bibs, uh, I, I mean, I wear them also, but I find many of them challenging. Well, I've had really good luck in terms of like making my own kits. The bibs that I got from Volet were real yeah. good. Uh, yep. And the sizing was always consistent. Like that was the thing that drove me bananas about other companies is like, you, you never knew what you were going to get. And it's, if it's European sizing, it's going to be different than, than uh, American sizing. And, and then if it's one company that's sources manufacturing in several different sew shops, the sizing is going to be different uh, champ systems. Uh, so you never really know what you're going to get. And the quality is varies uh, pretty wildly, but um, Volet, Pearl Azumi, uh, 
Let's see. Those are the two that, and I still, you know, uh, and and Castelli. I mean, Castelli's stuff has always uh, been great. Um, Except you have to go up a size in Castelli, right? You know, I I don't remember. I haven't bought. I haven't bought a pair of bib. I don't think I've ever bought a pair of bibs. I maybe bought my own stuff when I was working with Volet. I bought those, but um, uh, you know, I got flowed a few pairs of bibs, and and I, you know, like I always kind of joke that I'll wear clothes until they disintegrate. Like I I don't. I buy, do I, do I buy new bibs? I'm probably not going to buy new bibs for another like 10, 10 years. Because mm. you put shorts over them. So you, everyone's, um, clear view of your butt crack isn't an issue. Yeah. I don't ride in just straight stretchy clothes anymore. I haven't, I mean, I haven't in, in years. Um, That's what I do too. I've been wearing bibs even less just because I, I'm I'm trying to wear as little as possible. So I've been wearing just liner shorts and then shorts over them. Um, but the Lion. search for really good liner shorts is tough. I just got a pair of uh, Gore Fernflow liner shorts uh, that I'm going to review for the site, but they're really good. Uh, what's, they a li- what's a liner short? It's like a bike short, but it's intended to go under your stuff. But so how's that different from just a bike short? Because a bike short is intended to go to be the top layer. And so it might be so like oh. a liner might be like even lighter and more breathable. Okay. Because yeah. it always because you're never gonna wear it on its own. So I wear like a really light liner and then I have like the the best pair of uh there's the all kinds of companies make expensive mountain biking baggies. My go-to lately has been a pair of Dickies canvas shorts. I really, the, the canvas, canvas is an underrated material, I think, for bike shorts. It, what's uh, a, can, a canvas, canvas? Uh, like cotton canvas, like a pair of work pants. Seems stiff. Oh, so just like, just like a pair of Dickies. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, um. I don't like Dickies because the 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 pockets are sewn into the seam on the sides, and anytime I sit down, all my change falls out. I think Tommy Guerrero called them, um, uh, like change donators or something. One time, he had a really funny name for him because he was sort of of the same mindset. Like, no, every time you sit down, you lose all your money, your shit, your keys, whatever you're holding in your pockets always falls out. I'm not a big fan of that design, but I have uh, Ben Davis. I've worn Ben Davis. Uh, pants since I was in college uh, they fit me super good the left rear pocket has a snap so you can snap your lock in your pocket if you like um, what else is cool about them they last forever they have a gorilla on the label um, gorilla that's positive Ben Davis and Levi Strauss were partners in the pants business probably have t- like uh, uh, un- unloaded this factoid on this podcast at some point before but they were Partners and leave or Ben Davis came up with the uh, rivet, the Levi, the famous Levi rivet and sold the patent to Levi Strauss for $15. And with that $15, he started his own pants company. Uh, And the Ben Davis is Ben Davis. The third's daughter is now helping run the company. So that's even fucking cool. It's still family owned. That is cool, but it makes me think I probably have 15 bucks. Maybe I'll start a pants company. I like pants. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, 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 and I, like, I've got, you know, cycling specific over shorts. As I said, I don't wear stretchy shorts just on, I, it's almost, I don't know. It, I, they are definitely function over fashion for me. And, and I, when I used to do big, big, long, long road rides, uh, I would wear stretchy clothes, you know, because they yeah. worked good. They felt good. They breathed good. Not because I thought I looked good in them. And anymore, I'll just wear a pair of Ben Davis cutoffs or the Acre Supply. I have two pairs of the Acre Supply shorts, baggies, and um, one pair had a bunch of holes burned in them because I'm careless around fire. And then they sent me a new pair and they're great. Uh, those are super comfortable and fit well. And 
those don't are know. Mission Workshop makes those Acre yeah, Supply. Yeah, that's a it's a Mission Workshop uh, sort of sub sub brand. Sure. Um, so yeah, between Ben Davis cutoffs and Acre Supply shorts, like I, it's that or nothing, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you ride in nothing. No, I won't <laughs> ride at all. You said I it's will, that or nothing, so I just assumed maybe. Or I won't ride. Yeah, well, I guess that could be a mistake or mistaken. Uh, no, it's that or I won't I won't ride my bike in anything but those things. I think that's I where I was going with that. I understand. Yeah. And as far as tops go, uh, you know, I like a wool base layer, like a thin wool base layer and a Lycra jersey over that or a baggy jersey. And you jersey have no complaints that. about any of this stuff. You don't want any improvements. That's what this, this show is about. It's about the... Um, I did reach out to... I did reach out to Ben Davis at one point and ask if they wanted to do like a collaborative thing, like a cycling short. Yeah. I, I tried to get Swobo to Swobo version one to do something like this, uh, which is basically a Ben Davis cutoff, but with a, with a double, um, sort of a, a double seat. Cause I wear through the butt of my shorts, a gusseted seat, a gusseted seat. Yeah. But otherwise like, don't change anything. Just make a make a bomber seat, and then maybe we could do like a little embroidery, like a little all hail the black market embroidery on the pant on the cuff or something. And they were like, "Nah." <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I, I, I stopped pursuing that dream. But we're doing real good. Mo- we're doing real good money wise without you. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, honestly, it'd be like twenty pairs of extra large and ten pairs of. Large. I think it would be, it would cost way more to do it than, than it would. It would, that'd be something I would like, uh, maybe I would do if, uh, or I could do if, if I had a friend on the inside, you know, or like squid has done, you know, I'd buy a, a bunch of pairs of Ben Davis and I'd make my own shorts and sell them, you know, right. which I don't have the room or the money for. So probably not going to happen. That's the only thing I changed with those though. The acre supply, no changes, a wool underlayer, mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. Lycra jersey, simple. I don't, I've been not wearing Lycra jerseys. I've been, I'm, I'm sort of attracted to the, um, the button down shirt situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a short sleeve button down, a made of, uh, uh, artificial fabrics, not the cotton. Who but makes, I like those be- because who, I can unbutton them quite a bit. Who makes that? Kitsbo did, but Kitsbo's not no longer in business. Who makes a, a good button down riding shirt? Um, Fox has some. Um, Poncho is it Poncho Outerwear has some, which is like a fishing brand. Hmm. Um, Flylo makes one or two. Uh, there's always Club Ride. They do oh, it. Oh yeah, Club Ride. I forgot about them. Yeah. I had a couple, couple of their offerings several years ago, and I, I was real fond of them. I don't know what happened to them. Uh, they're not in my possession any longer, but I really liked the stuff they made. You are careless around fire. We heard that before, so anything's it, possible. It, it could have befallen. The, the shirts could have befallen that fate. Yes. Uh, Chrome made some really cool stuff for a while. Chrome has gone through so many incarnations, um, a lot of different management there over the last decade but they made some some riding knickers that were i was quite fond of and i didn't realize that i was fond of them until i realized they were no longer available you know and then i'm now i'm like scouring the internet for an additional pair because i know i'm gonna wear through mine I have a couple pairs of their shorts that I like quite a bit. They're sort of um, DWR-coated shorts. Uh, in fact, that's what I... If I'm not wearing Dickies, I'm probably wearing those over whatever liner I have. The other um, company that I think makes good stuff is Swerve. Mm. Yes, they do. They do, and they're such nice people as well like that's a company i really appreciate supporting you know where i can and i don't i don't buy clothes like that's <laughs> that's the other well, thing is i'm I don't in the buy same stuff. position i feel bad like recommending a lot of stuff to people because uh for whatever reason i just get stuff people send me kit well if it's something that works for you i wasn't even like i wasn't even saying that people send me stuff sometimes people send me stuff but um 
but but I don't I don't need anything, you know, like I only have right. one body and I don't I did get a pair of swerve uh jeans. I think they sent them to me. Or maybe I was asking them questions about it at some point and asking if they had a black denim and they said we didn't have the black denim yet, but they sent me this gray pair. And I'm really, again, I've said this before, like I'm really particular about how my clothes fit. I don't look like I'm particular about how my clothes fit or how I, what I look like. Cause I just look like, you know, I'm just kind of a discombobulated mess visually, but my shirts have to fit a certain way and my pants have to fit a certain way. And it just, I need, I need this, this one, uh, indescribable quality in my clothes but when i find that quality uh, like i it's like i celebrate uh from the top of a mountain and the pants that i got from chrome they were kind of a slim cut and they are oh uh, yeah sorry from swerve uh they are so comfortable and they're so good and and the people are great and they make cool tool rolls they make great stuff I, i like i like swerve a lot I like them. I've even paid for them. I bought a pair of um, black water. They're not waterproof, they're, but they're very water resistant and they're fleece lined and I wear them in the winter mm. um, and they are extra dope. They're really oh, good. Do you remember what the, what they're called? Like the, what that particular model of pant is called? I don't. I could look it up. Um, I could look it up, but it's, it is really good. It's, uh, and it's hard to find, especially here when it gets really, um, cold things that you want to do outside activities in. Mm -hmm. I end up with a lot of, um, like cross country ski tights in the winter time because, they're like wind front and they're, they're just good at that. Well, and it um, gets cold. It gets proper cold there here. It's like a different kind of cold. It snows and I've got, you know, I've got some kind of, I think it was an impulse buy, uh, you know, like where you were like targeted Instagram ads and there was like, you just got relentlessly hounded by some company and they said, Oh, it's a good fire. You can, sharpen your knives on them and they got Kevlar knee pads and they're fleece lined and they're comfy and they're fireproof and all this stuff. And I think I bought a pair of those just for like super winter riding, but I also don't do a ton of super winter riding because, um, there is, there are only, you know, a handful of days where there's snow on the ground. Uh, but it's nice to have something for camping or, you know, if you're out like tromping around, after a fresh snow or something. Um, right. But again, that's, you know, not, it's, I don't, I don't do that often enough to warrant buying multiple pieces of clothing when the pieces of clothing, even growing up skiing, I didn't have the, I didn't have the proper ski pants and I didn't have, like, I just had this hodgepodge of stuff. I, you know, like some uh, army, some wool army surplus pants and, uh, like, 15 flannels and a hand-me-down jacket. And in hindsight, if I saw somebody wearing that, I'd be, I would be more inclined to think, and we talked about this in terms of bike racing as well. Like you see somebody like somebody shows up to the line and they're wearing overalls and hiking boots. They are likely a bigger threat than the person (laughs) who's wearing all of the proper stuff, you know? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I, I've seen where I ski. A lot of people aren't wearing whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a lot of good skiers there. It's a it's a no bullshit kind of ski place. Like you can ski or you can't ski, uh, and they give not any fucks at all. Um, these are called the swerve pants I have are the soft shell regular trousers. They're called a trouser, which I like. Yeah, it's like it's like we like we live in the forties. I'm trousing around. When I whenever I want to trouse, <laughs> I put these on. They're my trousers. Uh there was a the a the a theory. A theory that was oh, no, it was just kind of a way of living that, that Thrasher magazine used to promote uh back in the in the eighties 
and it was just it was uh, function over fashion like you don't wear the thing because it looks good you wear the thing because it works good and i guess ideally the target is to find something that looks good and works good but i don't give a shit how it looks i'm more i would prefer something to work well uh could be argued that cotton cutoffs maybe don't work well i like the gigantic sweat ring that makes me look like i piss my pants like that's a <laughs> that's a funny thing and i used to make fun of sean walling uh from Soulcraft, he would ride and he would it would like he would sweat to his fucking knees like it would <laughs> it looked like he peed himself and then he poured a cup of water on his lap and it was hilarious to me and i it never happened to me but now i don't know what changed but now I sweat through my pants. And well, I, I wear it. these black canvas dickies and I do sweat them up, but it doesn't show. It doesn't because they're black or or maybe it does show and everyone thinks I, I pissed myself and I'm just. It shows. Yeah, it's just it's just a different shade of black. I, there was a yeah. little cartoon that I saw in a gas station in Kansas. What year was Reagan shot? 80. I don't know. Not enough of them. That's terrible. Don't say that. Uh, yeah, something like that. Give Hinkley another chance. Yeah. There was a, a Charlie Brown cartoon and it looked like it was like, you know, it was several copies. It was all choppy and bumpy and textured and you'd barely read it. But it said working here is like peeing in a black suit. Nobody notices you. <laughs> and I was so like like 10 years old and I see that. And, and, OK, note taken. <laughs> if I have to pee in a suit, make sure it's black. Life lessons from a gas station bathroom. Yeah. Mike, I, I texted you. My kid just said to me this morning, any suit is a swimsuit if you want it bad enough. <laughs> just jump in the water. Yeah. Easy peasy. Uh, and also, I was reading, uh, or Jizz Goblin came up, speaking of your kid. Uh, Jizz, Jizz Goblin came up again this morning. And it, and I forgot what it's like. One one of you kids has his brother uh, as listed as Jizz Goblin in his phone. Yeah, we were in Seattle and we were <laughs> I think we were, it was actually it was the trip that we came and saw you. OK, uh, it might have been the, the morning that we came to see you, actually, because we were all gathered around the car. But the youngest one wasn't there. The older one was there. And Brittany said, will you will you call your brother and find out what the fuck he's doing? And so the older one sort of half turns away from us. So he's not looking. And he just says into his phone, call Jizz Goblin. <laughs> and then I hear one ring. And then I hear, hey, what's up? <laughs> it's so funny. What- I, I was describing, uh, I don't know. I was describing sort of your family dynamic to somebody the other day. And granted, I haven't been in your home and I haven't experienced, you know, daily life in in the in the robot family household. Yeah. But I feel like oftentimes, as as I imagine it in my mind's eye, you're sitting around dinner or you're walking down the street or something. And Brittany in her head is saying, you know, when I when I thought about, you know, getting married and starting a family, I never imagined that I was going to end up with three sons. But you just so while meanwhile you guys are like putting gum in each other's hair and pushing each other into piles of dog shit and whatnot. <laughs> She's like, oh god damn it. Like I She's got- been taking love hostage. <laughs> she can't quit us, but she can't stand us. We were at dinner. We had dinner, um what is today? Today's Tuesday. It must have been Sunday night. We had hamburgers and we made some uh, like a big, big batch of oven fries, which are not good oven fries usually but so we make these oven fries and there's too many of them and we left them in too long so probably like a full serving of oven fries were overdone dry whatever so we have the good ones and we eat our dinner and then i'm sitting with my back to the of the stove where the oven fries are sitting so i pick up an oven fry that's there and i'm like owen and i throw it and he tries to catch it in his mouth but there's no chance it like pings off and then i'm like ian and i throw it at him and then owen's like oh no i can do it dude so i start throwing (laughs) fries and then i started throwing fries at Brittany, and she's and then the kids were picking up the fries they missed and throwing them at Brittany. and then there's the dog is like skidding around eating burnt fries Uh, that's so good yeah it gives me hope you know when i'm feeling lonely i just reflect on 
stories about your family and it makes me feel like Jesus, I fuck, I'm lonely. Um, well, I wish you could be at robot family dinner because one of these it days. is one of the, it's one of the joys of my life. When my kids go away and make their own lives, I mean, Brittany and I will still have some yucks because we, we, you know, she thinks I'm funny and I think she's funny and it's good. But once once we stop whatever the kids are doing, I can't tell you how many times uh, Hitler comes up at dinner at my house. <laughs> <laughs> like way more than it should. <laughs> There's a lot of discussion about whether Hitler's mom loved him. Like Brittany will do something and she's like, I'm only doing this because I love you. And one of them will say, do you think Hitler's mom did this for him? <laughs> or is Hitler like he was because his mom didn't love him enough? Oh, uh, yeah. I think yeah, of like one of history's greatest monsters and then say, well, do you think Hitler's mom let him fr throw French fries in her mouth? Right. Uh, OK, back on track. Oh, sorry. Well, no. At what, were we done talking about that? Fashion over or function over fashion. Uh, your family dynamic. Jizz Goblin. <laughs> um, Brittany has three sons. I guess that was all I needed to, to bring up. There was something else that was kind of simmering in the back of my brain, but I don't remember uh, what it is now. Uh, is there one good cheap thing that everyone should be wearing instead of whatever more expensive thing that they're probably wearing now? Mm, I don't know. No. My friend, my friend Fez just got a pair of like $25 photochromatic glasses. So they're like clear when it's dark and dark when it's sunny and they seem to really work. And I'm, I'm, I don't have any yet, but I'm kind of like, this is an interesting thing. There's a, uh, my friend Kristen Farrell used to work for this glasses designer and they would send, they would get these contracts to do like. Prada glasses, Prada, like fucking expense, like $300 yeah. glasses. They would send their designs to the manufacturer. The manufacturer would make their product glasses, which would then be sent off to the distributors and then bought by the shops. And then they would steal the design and make the exact same glasses for $25 yeah. <clears throat> just without the label on it. And, yeah. um, and it happens. She said it happens all the time. So, you know, we're paying uh, like all this money for, for stuff, you know, what's a mountain bike glove cost. And then you go into a hardware store and you get a, a work glove. All of my gloves actually are, are ironclad. They're ironclad work gloves. Uh, Dave Alderbase from evil cycling was a sales, the sales rep manager, sales manager. And so he, he had the ironclad road team and had like that, had the company really invested in cycling, but all of their shit was, it was just, it was just work gloves and they were inexpensive and they were incredibly well-made and cycling gloves, you know, I've got some and, and they are comparable, but not better. And optics, I think are the same way. That could be true. That could be true. A lot of the people where I ski also wear like Kinko work gloves, like cold weather work gloves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a pair that are like bright, um, bright orange, like safety orange. And they've just been like, and the orange is just tool dip. It's like they took a pair, they took a pair of gloves and just tool dipped them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's, it's great. You know, safety glasses, you want to get some really nice, expensive shatterproof riding glasses uh you can also get some ten dollar shatterproof shop glasses and uh wear those instead i don't know i i don't think i don't i don't think that um there's i'm sure there are there there are products that are superior and um i would rather w w wear like nice uh spe specifically developed wool jerseys uh, or jerseys that are wool that are specifically developed for cycling or active use as opposed to like uh, an old itchy uh, wool sweater from a thrift store or something. But um, well, lens and it takes. I think there's value in, in both things. I just don't necessarily trust the expensive purpose-made stuff all the time necessarily. I think what you want is like a burlap skin suit. Mm. Mm -hmm. if 
if there's one innovation that I wish uh, I, I may I may push forward with this at some point. I want a jersey that has um, like highly absorbent chamois on both shoulders so that um, like as I'm wiping, because what happens? I sweat like you sweat, like, you know, a lot, a lot. And so I start at the beginning of the ride, like wiping my face on my shoulder. Uh, but very soon I'm just wiping like I'm it's like I'm wiping with a thing that's as wet as I am. It doesn't make any difference. But if there, that was a chamois that I could like squeeze out uh, that's and actually keep a, using. That's a pretty cool idea. Uh, the old Bridgestone was it Bridgestone jerseys. They had padding in the shoulders that were. They were wool and there was, I remember, maybe it was uh, for like shouldering a bike, but I remember Mm -hmm. using them and this is, I haven't had one of those jerseys in a long, long time, but I remember using the padding as a, uh, a sweat remover. As a wipe. Yeah. Uh, that's no, I support that. You could just do uh, you could do like a prototype and then, um, if it works well, hit a company up with the idea to do manufacturing. And before you know it, a bigger company will steal the idea and then you won't make any money and you can continue my, your life in obscurity. That's my dream. That's I, uh, maybe, maybe I'll just buy a bunch of, uh, like Carhartt work shirts and I'll sew sham wows on them. Mm-hmm. The sham wows uh, start like, soft. Too, because if you do a chamois, it's going to get crusty until it gets soft. A chamois starts soft. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Cut, yeah. cut corners that are like the shape of the shoulder, maybe a little tapered, and then and yeah. then sew them on and give it a go. See see what you think. Maybe the it's whole the hot sleeve. new collab robot times chamois. <laughs> maybe the whole sleeve like to your elbow, like elbow to your shoulder. Yeah, that's 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 a good idea. That is a good idea. I probably have. I'm going to check my bank balance when I get off of here because I might be a millionaire now. Fifteen dollars. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Well, so did we cover that? I think we did. I like I like socks. Uh, I like wool socks or a wool blend yeah. sock. They don't. I don't stink them up real bad. I like a flannel. Um, like a flannel shirt or a. A Woolrich shirt, you know, on on cool rides. I like a thermal jacket on real cold rides because I sweat, my clothes get wet, and then I need something for you know the end of the ride or the descent. So I I carry a, I always carry a backpack. I'm constantly carrying a bag because I've got snacks and I've got um uh the, this backpack that I I have told the story before, but this backpack that uh, Pete Disco who was running Swobo V three uh he and i collaborated on a backpack which was basically like a bigger version of the old trek bag or the mountain smith world cup bag that was like a cycling specific backpack and it's like a security blanket you know like i have a space blanket in there in case i whatever happens and i sleep outside and i have that flashlight in case i'm riding and my light burns out and i have pens and pencils so i have something to do while i'm waiting for rescue and You're like a survivalist, Mister Rogers. That's what I see. <laughs> patch, That's what this sounds like. Tools and patch kit and a you know like a proper pump, proper like not a mini pump, but also not a frame pump. Though I have frame pumps on all my drop bar bikes, so I you know like I, it's better to have have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Yeah. And and I always ask if people are sitting on the side of the trail. You know like are you good? You got everything. Are you fucking need a space blanket? Do you need a space blanket? You never know. I'd rather, I'd rather have all of the things, most of the things I need. And I've been in situations myself where I really could have fucking used a space blanket. So that's where, (laughs) that's where that comes from. I mean, I'm just the opposite. I leave the house and, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like halfway down the street and I'm like, oh yeah, fucking helmet. I forgot helmet. (laughs) Uh, Fuck it. Leave it. Yeah, my friends are um, my friends called it 
you know, doing a me when they um, drive to a, a like a faraway ride and show up and realize they don't have their shoes. That's I do that. Um, that happened to me one time. Never again. Drove to Santa Cruz with this woman I was seeing and I got out. Like, fuck. So I went to a bike shop and I had to buy some shoes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, tell me a story I've already lived. It happened Jeez. to me one time, and then it happened to me two times, and then it happened to me a third time. <laughs> a fourth time? That would be, that's happened to you four times total, eh? Uh, no, I think just three right now, but I think four is a distinct possibility because I don't feel like I'm changing at all. I feel like every time, uh, sometimes I start a ride and I'll be like, we'll be like a mile in and I'll be like, oh yeah, I don't have a flat kit at all. Like I just took the bag off my butt. I don't even know what I'm doing out here. There was a, there was, I think I had a pretty intense lesson moving to, right after I moved to Santa Cruz, it was the coldest winter of the year. All right. And people think it doesn't get cold and because it's California. It's on the coast. It's it gets fucking cold. Gene Oberpriller yeah. did a race there one year and he said, you know, Gene Oberpriller grew up in Minnesota. He said it was as cold as he's ever been. It's it's brutal. Um, and it was the longest. It was the darkest night of the year. All right. So I go out into this big 10,000 acre preserve just down the road from my house. And I ride this trail that I hadn't ridden for. I'd ridden it once. 15 years earlier and I'm, I'm using a, a, a was this Viscount Viscount. It, it began with a V it was some lighting system that I got from my friend Leroy and I charged the batteries up, never used the lighting system before. Hey, let's go do a night ride. Cool. I'm going to go do this trail. I haven't been on, but one time. And, uh, uh, you know, as you can imagine the light burns out and then I'm like barely making it, down the trail and it was in the winter so there's like tons of forest fall all over the trails you can with the little bit of light i did have you couldn't even tell where the trail was because it's covered in branches and uh and uh, redwood boughs and and such so for an hour and a half i'm making my way down this just feeling my way down this trail and there's a huge cliff on one side and then i'm like shouldering my bike and i'm straddling these big trees and scooting across the creek and can't see shit and there's huge piles of wet flood debris um and i'm thinking okay i'm dehydrated i'm running out of water i was only uh i was like an eighth of a mile from where i knew i could get the trail out like the road out but i couldn't get there i knew exactly where i was but i couldn't see to get out and um so finally i Oh, and that, that was like, that was the thing. I was like, oh, I'll just walk the creek. I know where the creek goes. And with the last little bit of light, I shined it, dropped a leaf in the water and saw which way the water was running. So I started walking that direction and then I just got totally fucking stranded. And it was like 30 degrees and dark as fuck. And um, if I had a space blanket, that would have been cool. You know, if I'd had a flashlight, that would have been cool. So 15 hours after I left to go on this ride, I finally make my way back to my front door. And my girlfriend, uh, at the time later, you know, my ex, she was pretty frantic and she was like starting to like assemble some people that I worked with and some friends like, Hey, anybody know where dude is? Um, and I finally get back. And uh, she's freaked out and everybody at work was freaked out and I was exhausted. And, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be the one to uh, to get busted, like emerging from uh, this illegal trail network. <laughs> so <laughs> I, before I came out, I like ducked down and make sure nobody was there looking for me. And then I skedaddled. But it gets so like it's it's impossible to describe because it's at the bait. It's in this valley in a redwood grove. So there's no ambient light. Like there's nothing there's you. Yeah. 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 You say your hand in front of your face. You can't see fucking anything. What's the opposite of an Eagle scout, like a pigeon pigeon scout. I feel like you were pigeon scouting in there. I fucked up, you know, like I grew up, I grew up watching like outdoor safety films in Colorado. Like if you get lost, stay put. If you, you know, hypothermia, uh, all this stuff. And then like, what what are the cardinal rules like don't leave the trail i left the trail but it was like oh i know i know where i am i know i can get there you know instead of like instead of giving up and just sitting down of course now my feet are wet 
because I knew I could just walk the creek. It's cold as fuck and I'm dehydrated. Like I broke all the rules and I just dug a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. And it was rad because uh, my ex asked the friend and he, and he said, well, if anybody's going to, if any, he's going to be okay. Like if anybody can deal with this, it's going to be him. Everything's going to be fine, you know, and everything was fine. But I was like, I was like my own worst enemy. And it's weird. It sits in the Monterey Bay. So I'm watching the sun rise and I can see this, which direction the sun is shining from. But because it sits on the north part of the bay, you're thinking like, okay, well, that's the sun is rising in the east. So that's east. And I've got it like I was all turned around. I was all fucked up by the time I could see anything. But Farentino did point out that there are a lot of wild pigs in this area and um, mountain lions and all kinds of stuff. And he's like, well, it was cold enough that like all the critters were probably hunkered down. So that wasn't a threat. But a week later, somebody crashed their motorcycle just south of Santa Cruz in Monterey, crashed off the side of the road and broke their pelvis and was stranded. They couldn't didn't have a phone and they couldn't, you know, alert anybody to their presence. And they were eaten alive by pigs. Oh, my God. It's fucked up. Yeah, pigs, That's man. fucked up. Tables are turned. That's I'm my... only riding in fishing waders from now on. That's let's my story. Get to the, let's get to the would you rather <laughs> then. Uh, After your harrowing tale of survival. The moral of that story is ride with a space blanket. Ride with a space blanket. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, all because, over America, people are tapping away. All over the uh, the world, people are tapping away, <laughs> trying to figure out where to buy a space blanket right now. <laughs> you can get them for like a dollar at, at like outdoor stores and, and surplus stores. Um, okay, so <clears throat> because Robot always comes up with all the topics, and I've not really contributed very much uh, to any of that, uh, I sat down and I came up with at least the next 11 weeks worth of Would You Rathers, and some of them are... Things that I've come up with on my own. Some of them are sort of amalgamations of of two different things that I found on the internet. Like I've done some beta testing. Uh, you workshopped this one a little, yeah. Random friends, yeah. So the uh, what's the worst band again? What's your least favorite band or or genre of music? Absolutely, something that's unlistenable to you. Uh, anything on modern country music, I would say. I don't even know who the people are. Let's say Keith Urban. Is he one? Keith Urban? Keith Urban. I think that yeah. is, is a person. Yeah. OK. And even more than Crazy Town or um, or what was that? Uh, what was that one band that we talked about that you were just like had like a had like a visceral. Oh, Sugar Ray, maybe Sugar Ray. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like you they you reach a certain level of terribleness and I'm not sure that there's any difference. It's all. So terrible, but any uh, I, I there's a person uh, that I know who likes modern country music and they'll play it and I'll be around and I'll be like, whoa, but this is the dumbest. This is the <laughs> dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> OK, OK. Contemporary country, then we're going to use that. Yeah. OK. Would you rather have taste buds like in like on in the inside of your butthole or only ever be able to listen to? Uh, contemporary country again. Um, so the I lose the taste buds in my mouth. No, you keep the taste buds in your mouth. You just also have them in your butthole. So every time oh, you take a dump, you, you can are, taste that. You're tasting it. Oh, good. It's a good one, right? <laughs> and that's just the first one that I came up with. <laughs> I, I'm a prolific uh, defecator. Um, I don't know whether I still have the metabolism of a younger person or, but I, I'm busy with that. And so it's not just a one and done thing for me many days. Uh, so that's, that's basically what, what you're basically saying is, would you rather eat shit regularly or only be able to listen to contemporary country music? Well, you're not eating it. You're just tasting it. Sure. You know, same diff. It's a distinction that needs to be made. <laughs> well, I, I don't you think like uh, whoever got mad about the horse semen one is going to have a real fit about this. But uh, don't you think that chewing it would make it that much worse? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
one of the things that I've noticed lately in my life, I've gone into the um, the local uh, pharmacy or like really any store you go into, they've all they're all playing music. And and I don't know whether what it is in in me, but I can't tune the music out. And it's so fucking bad everywhere. It gives like I I leave us. Sometimes I leave a store early because I'm just like, no, I I can't listen to whatever that is like the B side from whatever Paula Abdul's big hit was. Um, I'm going to go with the taste buds in my butthole. Wow. Wow. If I could only listen to contemporary country, like I even cause look, I want to listen to music for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. It is very, uh, con- contemplative. It's very soothing. Uh, Listening to me, I love you know. I love listening to music. I don't. I think I. <laughs> I guess I'd adjust my diet. My friend John Schreiner does a good joke. He does some stand up stuff. He said, "No matter how many gummy bears you eat, your shit always tastes terrible." <laughs> so uh, I, I would. <laughs> I would probably. I would probably have to like wildly adjust my diet. Cause I, I would get, I'm with you. I would, I would taste, I would taste my own shit, but I would have to make it more pal, more pal. More. I would have to try to make it more palatable. I think I would just bring more urgency to the project, which might have more problems. There wouldn't be as many leisurely sessions. No, you're just, you're just trying you know? to get it done as quickly as possible. Yeah, and maybe I would listen to music while I did it, just as a reminder of what was at stake. Excellent. Okay. Well, uh, and the, and the, this is a rare one. We both agreed uh, that half of what we've come up with is a little more uh, uh, manageable than the other half, but yep. they're both terrible options. Terrible. Uh, terrible. Taste buds <clears throat> in your butthole is terrible. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we did it. That's an hour. Thanks for listening to Revolting. Uh, we're sorry it's over two, but we can't just all verbally masturbate all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we can, but you probably have a real job. See you next week on behalf of the Revolting Podcast and Cycling Independent. I'm Steve-O. Bye. Bye.